business insurance, disability, or life insurance, which of course is extremely important, Team Trend is here to help. They do it all. Call the team at Tran Trend State Farm for your free quote or insurance review today to see how you can save money and get better coverage. Why wait? Call today, 310-974-8778. This episode is also brought to you by Extreme Auto Sports in Santa Clarita. Whether it's audio or video, window tinting, vinyl wraps, suspension services, a 4x4 lift for your truck, or new wheels and tires, Extreme Auto Sports has you covered. Be sure to give them a call today, set up an appointment, and go get your ride taken care of. 661-424-1579. Extreme Auto Sports, that's the way to go. Sal's Gumbo Shack. Down home cooking from the heart, it wouldn't make Sal so good. You'll feel like you're right at Mardi Gras. Go to Sal's Gumbo Shack right in the heart of Long Beach, at 6148 Long Beach Boulevard, Long Beach, California, 90805. Call them at 562-422-8100. Sal's Gumbo Shack, bringing the bayou to you. This episode of the Profanity Nation podcast has been brought to you by United One Protection Services. We do more than just security. We protect your livelihood. Whether it's commercial or residential needs, United One Protection Services has you covered. You can find them at unitedoneps.com. That's united, the number one, ps.com. Profanity Nation. Yeah, it's the new era of man for some old school fans with a new school brand. We got money on the mic with the plan in hand. And Stat Pat to his left, they go hand in hand. And to the right, we got Simster. He putting it down. It's the Profanity Nation. We running the town. Yeah. It's the Profanity Nation. Profanity Nation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Profanity Nation podcast, where professional players deserve professional fans. Joined here, as always, by Stat Pat, Money Mike, and of course, yours truly, Jay Simpsta. How you guys doing tonight? Good, good. You know, uh, Lakers won. You know, going to next round. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Yes, uh, been a while, right? Yeah, been around second round. I mean, that sounds like some other, you know, other fans, but <laughs> sounds like some other worldly stuff. Yeah, right? but you know, we're 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 in the second round, dude. That's good. Yeah, we've been here before. <laughs> for sure, we've been here before. Yeah. yeah. So, um, a lot going on, guys. We have a great show for everybody who's joining us. Uh, most importantly, we have an interview with Trevor Lane. Uh, you all know Trevor Lane. He is the host and senior writer for LakersNation.com, and he's here. Uh, he's going to go ahead and spill some info. We're going to talk about some Lakers rumors, uh, some trade rumors that involve Oladipo, uh, possibly some other players, Danny Green. We're going to hit up all the topics with him. But first, guys, our Sparks, our WNBA and our Sparks, guys, um, they're playing well. The NBA is playing well. However... The NBA bubble almost popped. Mike? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was just at work, my regular job, and all of a sudden I hear in uh, Milwaukee walked off the court in Orlando. Well, you know, went along with them. Hey, are they going to play the second game? Oh, yeah, are they going to play the third game? I said, nope, 
Not we a- may just go ahead and just roll out and leave. But let me just say this. It's for a really, really good cause. Um, you know, I, I feel and understand what the uh, the league is saying because they, they did everything. They had concerns prior to going into the bubble. Um, and the league responded to what they said. They put Black Lives Matter on the court. They allowed them to have their messages on the jerseys. And, but uh, it always was a concern that um, that the messages would get lost if they start playing basketball. And then um, we had a situation in Milwaukee. Uh, it's unfortunate with, with with Jacob, and they were like, you know what, we need to do more. So um, I love what they've come up with as far as now every stadium is going to be a polling place around the league, um, and and. I mean, around the nation, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, so the Staples Center, the Forum, you know, out here, uh, every uh, Oracle Arena, every NBA arena is going to be a polling place. So that way, um, you know, change could could happen. Not really trying to be political on this show, but, you know, at the end of the day, I am a black man, um, and I just want to come home with my family every day. And so, um, you know, I, I love the measures that they that they put put across. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to echo that, of course, I mean, the fact that, you know, we live this every day um, and it's, you know, it's tough out here, man. I can't, I can't, I can't lie. Uh, And the fact that um, we do have. um, um, Sorry about that. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Technical errors there. There's that COVID, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay um but uh, at the end of the day they um you know the fact that they they're 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 actually uh taking welcome to the profanity nation podcast thank you for joining us a little bit late uh our mics were on mute and we apologize guys uh tonight we have a great show for you and thank you for joining us uh, tonight, we actually have a wonderful interview with Trevor Lane that's going to play. And Trevor is going to go ahead and talk to us a little bit about the Lakers, the uh, NBA bubble that almost burst. We're going to go ahead and talk about some Lakers rumors and such. And uh, we're going to cover a lot of bases there. But first, guys, um, you know, the NBA bubble did almost burst. Uh, there were some protests there and so forth. So, um, you know, let's get started with that, Mike. Let's get started. Um, how are you feeling? Uh, how are both you guys feeling about the, the protests that they, they came back? They are playing now. Uh, both the NBA and the WA, uh, WNBA uh, put a halt to play in protest, and they are playing now. So um, how did that make you feel? What, what did that make you feel like when they took that stand? Money. You know, it, it was really interesting. I was at work doing a regular job, and, and I'm listening to, you know, uh, the radio and they said, wait a minute, Milwaukee is not coming on the court. They're putting up the game balls or then walked off. And then, you know, I'm, I'm group testing you guys. It's like, yo, um, they, they may not be a game to that Milwaukee. And then what's the second and uh, third game going to ha- be? And of course they postponed it. Um, I think it's admirable that Milwaukee was willing to take a forfeit to have the stance. Um, in the NBA, it stressed even before they were, they were going into the bubble that they wanted to make sure that they spoke on the social justice. Um, they wanted to make sure that that 
they will be heard and be able to hear what's going on. And maybe basketball really wasn't that important. So the NBA, you know, went and said, hey, we'll let you guys put the stuff on the jerseys. We'll say Black Lives Matter on the court and, you know, get the messaging out there and still be able to play. Um, apparently, you know, they felt like that wasn't enough, you know, when when the situation happened with Jacob over in Milwaukee. Um they felt like, well, this is what we were talking about. They're still not listening to us. So we have to, you know, do it, do something extra. We have to do more. So I love the fact that um, that they got together, they banded together. And um, now all the arenas, you know, all over the league, all over the nation, or where at least where the teams are, um, they're going to be polling places. The Staples will, the Forum will, Oracle Arena will, um, you know, just to name a few. So, you know, I, I love – and then I'm also happy that we still have basketball um, at the same time. Um, but, yeah, this, don't, you know, this is obviously not a political show, but I'm a black man, so uh, we have to speak on it a little bit. Yeah, definitely to echo uh, what you said, Mike, definitely. Um, the fact that they actually did come together and take a stand um, because I think at the end of the day they were tired of some, – some, I, I think some of the players were tired – of being viewed as just entertainment. And then the fact that they were able to, you know, it's fine to go out there and play the sports and to take their mind off of what's really going on in the world. But at the same time, they're still living, you know, um, that, you know, they're still living it as black people, you know, black men. And, um, and they have family members that have, you know, they have kids that they have to worry about. I mean, the message that they have to tell their children is a hard one. I mean, we we have to do the same. You know, we understand that. Um, and so they're no different. They're people, too. They just, just make millions of dollars. But they, you know, they actually have their, you know, their, um, their, their I guess their ears to the street. But that being said, it did kind of get off the rails in the fact that, you know, we hear rumblings, um, you know, supposedly, once the trickle, you know, once the, you know, the ripple effect of Milwaukee uh, boycotting, then that pretty much meant that everyone on that day had to boycott. And, um, and LeBron James supposedly was uh, was not really, uh, you know, wanted to, you know, <laughs> I guess he wasn't prepared for that. And uh, during the meetings, he was willing to, you know, forego the whole season. So it was uh it was actually kind of like you know we we're teetering on having actually no basketball so yeah it's it's interesting i mean the whole lebron element to it is you know um now if i'm right they said that the lakers and the clippers were the only two teams that voted to not continue the season correct yes i mean that's yeah. that's what came out of it um i think lebron kind of was a little butt hurt um you know, this is, this is my opinion. I don't have any facts, but you know, I think the you know you have a, you have it's generational at this point. You know, LeBron is 16, 17 years in the league. You know, he's one of the older ones. He wants everybody to kind of follow what he says. Do you know he maybe this King James is going to the head and he has the peasants, <laughs> and so now we have these young guys. You know, in the, you know 20, 21 years old, and said, "Hey, we want to do something, and we're not gonna." necessarily ask King James if he thinks it's a good idea or not. And I think he was a little, little you know, had, was in his feelings because well, he weren't, wasn't made aware. What's, just, what's the story? For those that don't know exactly what happened, I mean, there, there is controversy around LeBron. So, uh, you know, did, did, was there an overreach of power? What, what did you see that was going on or what have you heard 
Pat, what did you hear um, that, that took place? I would say that um, because once they figured, I mean, like you were saying, it's generational, um, like the fact that Jalen Brown was, you know, he's a Celtic, but he did make a great point. Um, he basically called out anybody that wanted to quit. And he said, literally, like, what are you going to do when you go home? Are you going to go home and get on Instagram and just hang out? Do you think out? your are, voice are, yeah, is, are you, is greater yeah, at yeah, home? Yeah, are you, are you just tired of the bubble and you're kind of feeling lonely? Or sure. are you going to leave here and go out there to the front lines and, and, and be an activist? Because if that's not what you're going to do, then it really doesn't make any sense for you to quit playing ball right now. Because if you're going to be going home and just hanging out, then what good are you doing? That's, that's, that's even a worse message than it would be if you were going to Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, and going out there or going to Portland or going to Seattle where there's people still out there in the streets protesting right now. That's where you need to be if you're going to leave the bubble. If not, then use this opportunity to create, you know, create awareness, and um, and and, and create create awareness. But then at the same time, you know, you, we all got a job to do. Now, of course, the compromise I think was what Mike was talking about was the the polling places, which is very important. We know how, especially in places in the South, where you have you know gerrymandering and you have pretty much um, you have uh, you know places where they're not where people are not able to go to the polling places and in rural neighborhoods when it's at a stadium and they have people working i mean that's going to be that's going to be huge so you know that's right now that's just the tip of the iceberg of course you got to get rid you know you got to get done with this nba playoff um and then once that's done maybe we can get back into the um you know get back to the table and start talking about it um there was some others um other um uh, like the Pat Beverly situation, right? Uh, Pat Beverly supposedly talking, telling the, uh, uh, Michelle, the we Michelle. pay your salary. Yeah, well, I pay your salary. Which, yeah, right. Of course, it's, it was weird because the bubble. You would think that the the reporters wouldn't have uh, conflicting reports, but there's conflicting reports about LeBron. It's conflicting reports about Pat Beverly. So it's kind of hard to see where you know actually um, where you're getting. I mean, what's the real what's the real truth? You know. Well, look, I, I will say this. Um, I, I'm, 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 I know in my, pro, my personal life, for example, um, what I always try to do is I try to mirror myself after what the white people do. I'm sorry, I apologize. What the what the rich people do, right? Um, and I'll use my. I don't I'll, know. I don't know where I fit in that. <laughs> I'm definitely not. Rich. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, right. Jeff, Jeff. No, but I, I, <laughs> where are we let going? Me, let me just say. No, <laughs> let me repeat myself. I want to mirror myself after what the rich people do. What the rich people do is, like, for example, when you look at what the uh, you know the laws that are, that are getting passed, they're always to benefit the rich people, right? So since they're always to benefit the rich people, that means I have to make my four hundred one k emulate. How the rich people are making their money. <laughs> sure. That's just that's just what it is, right? So right. if I know that they're gonna allow stock buybacks in large cap companies, then I need to make sure I put invest my money in large cap large cap companies. Right. Because see, if they're gonna make money, I need to make that money too. So when emulate. When, right. So yes. what I'm what I'm saying is, um, and to to my point is that the template is already there on on how we could get things to happen. If we look at the Koch brothers, right? They want to go fracking. They want they want to go ahead. They invest into the people who's going to 
go ahead and be the senators in that city. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to allow them to go through fracking so they can make all the money. Right. So what we have to do is we have to play. Right. We have to make this money. And then we have to invest it in the politicians that's going to go on to our agenda. I've had a saying that I've gone by for several years, and it's uh, we have to play the rules. We have to play the game by their rules, but right. we can do it on our terms. Absolutely. And I think that's what you're leading to. Right. And that, that's my point. That's my point. So, you know, that that's why this is so wonderful when they said that they want to get $300 million that the owners have committed to. Because now, okay, great. So, obviously, we're not. Uh, um, you know, the the players are not politicians, but we uh, we should be able to get a politician that could go ahead and push this agenda the same way that the other agendas get pushed. You know, and that's that's and that's how we go and we combat this, because at the end of the day, if you look at it, to be honest with you, nobody really care. We, we get on their nerves They're like they out there, you know, um, they're, they're out there just, you know, causing havoc and destroying stuff. I was looking at. Um, a picture today where they showed the 17 year old uh, that killed a guy in Kenosha. You know, they they said where earlier that day he was cleaning off graffiti, and then they have a picture next to Tamir Rice, and they said, oh, he was smoking weed. You know, so it's the imagery that gets put out because that's what the media goes and puts in. So, mm -hmm. you know, so how do we how do we change that? The way we change that is by investing money into our own media, so that way we can have our own message to combat what the messages get put out there. I hear that. Gotcha. Well, at the at the end of the day, there was a at least right now. There's not a good ending in the social environment, but there is a good ending for basketball, meaning that they decided to return. Right. Uh, right. With that, now of course the WNBA and the Sparks followed suit uh, immediately right after the NBA postponed games. The WNBA did the same same day, um, but they are back playing as well. And we're going to go ahead and move to some of that talk because. The Sparks are playing outstanding. <clears throat> Each week they improve. Each week it gets better. Each week their record gets better. Guys, they're twelve and three. They've won nine in a row, tied for second, half game out of first, and they've clinched a playoff spot. Stat. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Before, like, I I, I could have swore like two weeks ago we were talking about like what's going on with the Sparks. Like they're inconsistent, and we were talking about you know Derek Fisher and Candace Parker having that you know that um that press conference absolutely and how like they were visibly upset and how it must have you know it must have you know rang out to the rest of the team something happened something resonated something, because something did they haven't lost since i mean they haven't lost since and they're all playing hard like uh you see that britney uh had 15 points tonight uh you have Ch chelsea gray had 14, 14 points uh candace parker went four for 11 however she had nine points 10 rebounds and seven assists so you know she's still doing her thing yeah and it just is now look like it's a full team effort and the momentum i mean you don't want to you don't want to play this this sparks team right now in the playoffs you don't want to play them because they are actually now hitting on all cylinders and they now got getting in a group that's what it looks like right now money yeah how, i mean how quick was it that just a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about their their start going win loss win loss. That was three games. We're two weeks later, and they clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, <laughs> and that was just—I mean—that's a quick season. But that that goes to show you how important every single game and every single win has been, and they really stacked it together. Well, it reminds you of the Lakers, right? Like if they decide to allow their talent play, 
mm-hmm. you know, and they play up to their with their potential, they're, they're perfectly fine. I mean, we always knew that they had a great team. They were stacked. They have uh, great rebounders. They have uh, really awesome uh, Ricky and Tia. Um, you know, we have Simone. That's the heartbeat of the team. That gives them the toughness. Um, yeah, so that gives that gives them the toughness. Um, they they have all the elements to be able to go ahead and just you know win a championship. But it, it's it's just a matter of putting it together. And I think the biggest thing, and I said it a couple of episodes ago, um, was they just had to get used to playing at ten o'clock p.m. And once they figured that part out, you know, I think the sky's the limit. I'm not honestly. I don't even think they're going to lose another game. Um, you know, yeah, to the playoffs. It's, it's, it's almost looking like they might run the table, and I know that sounds inconceivable, obviously, because you know who runs the table and just going these crazy streaks. But it has happened. However, only when only when it comes to those streaks, I I kind of like losing one game. You know, I, I like I know I like long fifteen game winning streaks and stuff like. That. I just wanted to win, lose one game just so they can just, feel it again. Yeah, just to get that, just mode. to get it out of the system. Yeah. You know, to, to, re, because, to remind them what it's like. Yeah, because if they keep going undefeated, then they're thinking like, we gotta go undefeated the whole way. And now it's like, okay, we got back, get back to where we 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 slacked off. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. But at this point, I mean, a nine and one last ten games. Um, so it just. It's just really, it's really cool actually to be, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Sparks fan. It's really cool right now because the fact that they actually are balling. Um, both our LA teams are balling. I mean, right? I would say all three, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Well, we only need two of the ball. We only need two of the ball. The other yeah. one, the other one, we just need to get to where they need to be so we can eliminate them. To- yeah, because we want to take them out. Right. We have to. That's, that's what we want. You guys, actually, that's a good point because uh, they came close. There was a little bit of questions there. Uh, of course, we're talking about the Clippers. But let's start here, guys. Lakers. Lakers finish off Portland with a 4-1. and one. Not too bad. They lost that first game, but then they got it together. Now, Gen- what, what, what did they call it? Uh, a gentleman's sweep? A gentleman's sweep. Backdoor sweep. Backdoor sweep. sweep. Um, the last game that they played, they showed a little bit of their – seeding game side where they didn't look too motivated. They won the game and we talked about it and you'll hear a little bit more about it with the interview with Trevor that you guys have to stick around for, but they, they, they were just toying around and as fans, as professional fans, we like to see consistency. Yeah. We like to see him play. We like to see momentum. And they, once again, this time it looked like they said, no, Damian Lillard let their guard down a little bit and actually yeah. had to, to kick it in the end to, to make it happen. You know what's crazy though? Um, that I know they I know they looked a little like you know uh, like complacent at times. However, if you look at the numbers, you know uh, LeBron and also uh, uh, Anthony Davis put up. I don't want to say this. This this might be blasphemous, and excuse me, Laker fans, but uh, that looks kind of like Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you looking at thirty six points coming at you, looking at forty three points coming at you. I mean, we ain't seen no. I mean, even even Kobe and Powell in his heyday wasn't putting up thirty six or forty three. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Paul gave you twenty eight, you'd be like, "Wow, he balling." Yep. But Paul ain't putting up forty something. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's definitely when Kobe ain't doing it. So, look, I know it's blasphemous. I know it's sacrilegious so, to here's say my, this. Here's my question: Which one is Kobe? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, it's nobody, small, big, nobody it's small, big, that. small, big. You know that is Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it's Kobe, Shaq. It's you know, it's LeBron, the big man, and you know, you know what but, the big man. But, but you're, you're repeating what everybody knows. We know what we're gonna get from LeBron, or what we should get from LeBron and AD. Is that enough? 
Um, we need those role players. We Kuz, need those role players. Green, KCP. We need one of them to be a superstar each night. Not not all three of them, but all of them need to show up, and one of them needs to be a third superstar each night. One of them needs to show up. I get. I used to get on, K, uh, you know, uh, can, um, KCP. I used to tell him that basically until he started making shots, he's gonna be Contavious. Yep. But. You know, Contavious has been balling right now. Um, he's, you know, sometimes when he goes to the rack, sometimes, you know, he don't finish like he needs to. However, um, he's a little bit um, uh, better behind the three-point line than Danny Green. Now, that's another whole story. Um, I know, you know, there's some people out there that's, you know, we need to be rah-rah no matter what. Yep. However, your 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 contract is two years, $30 million. And every time, and, it, and I mean, you know what was really bad last night for me? For me, it was that the threes that he was not he was missing were not contested threes. No, they're wide open. These are wide open threes. And every time I'm looking at the teams that we play against, and in this NBA, if you are late on rotation, they make you pay. And we get the same looks. Everyone else gets the same looks. And at that time, we never make teams pay. <laughs> and and that's what I – at this point, look, we beat we beat Portland – but I don't want that to come back and rear his ugly head well, in a situation they're, they're a where they're playing team. You know, I mean, they yeah, were and, and yeah. And so when we have another team that comes out there that's actually going to be hitting forty percent from three, and that's all they do, like Houston coming up. And it's, hey, I mean, I mean, at the same time though, I mean, I like the fact that a lot of teams, or a lot, not, not a lot of teams, but a lot of um, analysts are, you know, once again writing Lakers off. And I think that bodes well for the Lakers. Something, something I think about about that um, kind of like puts a fire under them. Um, people were talking about how we were going to be. This is the best eight. You heard this was the best eight seed in the history of eight seeds, and they were going to be the third team ever to lose to a number one. I mean, you know, Paul Pierce would love it. If you know, if LeBron loses, he can't never yeah, play. No, okay. Now yeah. what you saying, Paul? What's hey, what, what, Charles Barkley? Yeah, cricket, cricket. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, yeah, Mr. Charles, Charles Barkley. Yeah, let, let's yeah, let's yeah. call out Charles, guys. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't know, Charles Barkley, after the Lakers lost Game One to Portland, he called for a sweep. He guaranteed it, actually, guys. So his guarantees are worth absolutely what? Right, nothing, nothing. nothing. I mean, and you saw, you know, Shaq. I'm, I it's still debatable on if the rooms were real or they were half broken, but Shaq broke. Brooms over his head, over his knee. <laughs> he was bending stuff, you know, chopping stuff. It was, it, it was kind of upset. Kind of yeah. upset. So uh, it, it was actually kind of comical watching him on TNT making fun of Charles. But you know, he, uh, Charles took it, and and you know, I, let me let me let me comment on, on Donovan. Donovan, I'm not Charles Barkley. Donovan Duncan says Mike is the podcast wow. version of Charles Barkley. Is, is, is that because Donovan clarifies that because uh, Charles is a hater or what is that? Is that just uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think you've been about. eating too many donuts there, money. I think you're all right. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I'm nowhere near there. So right. Right. Ain't nothing so, in your cup. We're out here. We're working hard. You know, trying to trying to. <laughs> Do the show, but we see y'all talking about this. Yeah, exactly. Charles you know. Barkley. All right. I don't know who that makes me. Uh, so I'm just going to leave. You know, you AJ. Stop playing. You AJ. My last name. My last name is Smith. Smith. So, you know who I'm with. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Pat, Pat the Jet. Pat the Jet. We're here. We got it going, guys. We got it going. Um, okay. So now the Clippers also, they, they did finally take care of business. They took care of uh, what I would call a hobbled Dallas. Um, 
today wasn't a fun game. They they blew out Dallas, but Morris also got kicked out kind of early for some uh, a double flagrant, and that's standard Clipper play, if you ask me. You know, um, honestly, now it's it's funny because it was like in the beginning of the series, it was the Clippers and the and the Mavericks actually just playing ball, right? They were playing ball. They were like it was really good, like. It really wasn't, you know, um, uh, they, 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 yeah, it was like they were just playing ball until it actually got serious. And it's almost like, you know, Doc Rivers, you know, did like, you know, uh, like. Um, Bully ball. Yeah, but he went like, what, what did the guy say in um, The Karate Kid? What did he tell him? You know what? Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. And once they, once they swept, once they came with that, then all of a sudden they started becoming Karate Kid all the way sudden because they started hacking. And once they started hacking, you know, either you can rise up or you can wilt. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that, um, you know, Luca, because Lucas kept kept balling. I mean, he kept balling at the same time. It was a no-fly zone for everybody else. And they were going ahead and they, put, they were laying wood. And so once you have an enforcer like, you know, Marcus Morris on their team, which Dallas has zero. Yeah, they don't, they don't have that. an enforcer. I mean, I mean, Porzingis is their enforcer, is the enforcer, and he's, and he's like, not he's, even playing. He's not even playing. So, so now that you have that, you look at other teams and who they would go against. Like, so if that's going to be their brand of ball now going forward, you know, and forecasting, if we, oh, do, I think it is. It'll definitely be if their back gets pushed to the wall. Yeah, because that's that's the that is the character of a Doc Rivers team, right? Is is bite scratch claw whatever yes. you got to do to win and if it gets past the refs it's okay right and you know and and we saw what what was happening and you, and you saw those files were you know look i mean we all grew up in the 80s we know what 80s ball looked like exactly so, but yeah. it looks like playoff basketball but sometimes he doesn't it's not translating right now for these uh you know for the youngsters right now so with that being said i'll tell y'all i'm scared of luca I mean, in the future, that, you know, we look at three, four years, man. I mean, yeah, uh, he he has everything. Yeah, he, he obviously has a game, but he has a heart too. Right. And, and what I and what I love about players is the heart more than the game. Sometimes, you know, um, so the fact that he wasn't, you know, he knew he was gonna get hit, didn't care. He kept on coming. Um, you know, he hit that shot. Was like, I know y'all gonna find me. I'm about to shoot this thirty footer, mm-hmm. and he's ice cold. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in good hands. Man, listen, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm letting you guys know in two, three years, Luca gonna be the MVP, uh, hands down. He's I'm probably, t- probably I'm, the best player in the league. I'm gonna tell you right now, he um, could be that next year, by the way, for sure. Um, and, and be honest with you, you know, you know what kind of player I think that it would like would mesh really, really good with him. I, I, I would look at a Bradley Beal with a Luca to be taking that. That pressure off him mm-hmm. to be able to pour in his third, you know, to ball handling ability, take off third, you know, and you still keep your Seth, mm-hmm. keep your outside threat. Yep. And the poor Zinkins is every player, a play, you know, a whole playoff series, and he can pour in his 15 points a game. But you really need a number, a, a better number, a number two versus uh, what poor Zinkins brings to the table. Hey, Seth Brown's listening. Uh, Seth, thank you for listening and joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. And he's asking if he thinks uh, more suspension is coming. I don't think so. I think the double flagrant. However, I do think if there's another situation in this next series where they play either it's going to be uh, Utah or did Utah play? It's, 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 a, it's going seven. It's going seven. Okay, so it's Utah or Denver. Um, 
you know, I don't like what Doc Rivers says because, oh, he gets it just because it's him. Well, he has a, a history. That's why right. they say it's because it's Morris. Um, he stepped on, you know, the left foot of Luka. Yeah, that, knowing th- that looked dirty as can be to me. Now, I understand the broadcasters are saying, no, I don't think, well, they're taking it. The- no, that was dirty. Mm-hmm. That was dirty. You don't do it. You don't do it. And, and the fact that he, even the response that he had when it happened, you right. can tell it was dirty. Um, so do do we have the we have the good Morris? They have the bad Morris. <laughs> you know, I think I, I, we we probably do. At the same time, it was like when they were on the same team, it was like you had it was double trouble because you know the other twin is not gonna let you do anything to the bad twin. Yeah, but see, I think so, it's, it's again, it's, so it's, it's coach, bad twin. Yeah, yeah but guess, it's yeah. coach's personality, right? You know, I think if you switch players on teams, you're gonna have the same situation, similar. I think it's because it's taking on the personality of the team, the coach, LeBron, and so forth. Um, Kawhi is just not loud enough to impress his anything on the team. He's just there. Right. So so it's Doc, and it's the rest of the team, and it allows for that type of mentality, possibly. Now, we had an opportunity, though. Know, remember, we had an opportunity, the Lakers, to go and get uh, Marcus Morris. Now, yeah. the question is, would we be okay with those tactics on the Laker uniform, are we are we winning? We definitely winning. We're winning now. Hey, I'm definitely not well, saying look, it was look, a swipe I, at the ball. I, I will listen. I will. I will say this. Uh, uh, when I watched That's what Doc Rivers said, it was a swipe at the ball. Uh, I'm definitely not saying that. You know what? I, I will say this. When I've watched the Clipper games and I've seen Morris uh, on, on the Clipper, the Clipper Morris, Clipper Morris. Morris. Um, I, I, you know, he, he I've seen him hit some pretty Duh, big he shots. He was balling before he got kicked out. Yeah, I, I've seen him hit some pretty big shots, and I'm like, and and in the back of my mind, I was like, hey, can our Morris do that? Can Laker Morris do what Clipper Morris is doing? Because yes. that, that's what I, that's what I need. So I, I really am questioning. But I think it's the enforcer. Uh, I think it's the enforcer. Um, um, no, his his role being the guy that's going to be willing to do the dirty work, you know, um, what gives us a different give them a different element because they already got they already got dudes that out there willing to do that, but he gives them a nastiness, you know. They got guys that would actually, you know, lay lumber. I mean, you got you know Trez, you got Beverly, but now that you add you know Morris, which is willing and they willing to take the 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 uh, I guess the um. He want to pretend like he doesn't want to be a cast as a dirty player, but he knows. You know, he, he knows, knows what he's role. Well, he's, he's now the new Bruce Bowen. If he Bruce accepts Bowen. it, if he if he's been run our test Bruce at one Bowen. point, yeah, he's Bruce Lee. You, you know, you, you ain't forget about Bruce Lee Bowen. <laughs> Bruce Lee Bowen, I love it. I love it, Bruce Lee Bowen. All right, guys, we we had a great interview today. We had a great interview with Trevor Lane, and uh, it was really exciting. We talked about some really good stuff, and we're gonna go ahead and get to that interview right now and get some good stuff stick around guys all right guys here so we're here with trevor lane the host and senior writer for LakersNation.com. thank you for joining us trevor oh no problem thank all you right, guys, guys for here me. so we're here with trevor thank lane, you so much uh, busy day busy weekend a lot going on in the nba we're going to talk about a lot of things here guys we're going to discuss the nba bubble we're going to discuss the lakers we're going to discuss lakers rumors we're going to discuss the clippers but first, we'd like to get into Trevor and, and learn a little bit more about Trevor and uh, uh, talk about kind of, you know, uh, where you're going and, and what you're currently doing. Uh, obviously, you are the host of Lakers Nation and everybody loves that show. We get all our pertinent information from you every week. Uh, you're also the senior writer. 
Now, I know in your past and a lot of interviews before, you've discussed how writing was really your influence and really what brought you to where you are today. Um, but now you do a lot of hosting. I'm kind of curious, uh, which which hat do you like most? Do you like hosting? Do you like being the writer? Which one do you like most? Um, you know what? I, I really love both. Um, I can say that that overall, hosting is probably a little bit easier. Oh, it's okay. Sorry, guys. Do you want to restart? No, no, no. Yeah, let's just keep going. Go. We're good. Okay. Sorry, but uh, my real joy. world, my, my wife just yeah, real world, my life, going crazy. Uh, but uh, but look, it, hosting really I think is is a little bit easier in order to to make it all work um, as far as putting everything together. Um, I can do that a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I know you're not used to it. You're just it, used to it. Right, man. We, we've done a lot of virtual shows, and so and it's like we all have like kids and stuff, and 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 they just come and interrupt and. That's just, you know, 2020, COVID-19. All these kids are normal, man. You know, the kids running in, all that stuff. So, yeah. So, you know. So here's it like normally. So if I was just if, if I was just hosting, I just go back and delete and edit and, and all that kind of stuff, which is um, which is it, which is yeah, nice. Um, so I, I like that that side of it. I like being able to go in and edit. I used to actually do some video editing and stuff back in high school, and that was just a fun creative outlet. Um, and, and so that was something that I've been able to get back into a little bit now. And so that's been that's been great for me. But at the same time, when when something clicks when you're writing. It's just a, a different level. It's a. It's hard to describe. Like from playing sports, you have those games, those moments where you're kind of in the zone. Um, it's almost similar to that when you're writing something and you just everything flows. And there's you have other times where you're struggling and it's and it's tough to get through and and tough to get your point across mm -hmm. exactly what you want to say. But when you're writing and something really clicks, it's a, it's a really cool feeling. And I don't know if I've had that quite yet from hosting. But I'm glad that I get to do both because I kind of get that that audiovisual outlet while at the same time I get to still explore the written word. So uh, right now, this is perfect for me with Lakers Nation getting to do both things at the same time. It's a perfect mix. And, and hosting's fun because it's, it, it's a little bit off the cuff. So, so you're just constantly kind of flowing with it and you have your your uh you know points that you want to get to but um with writing what, what i find and i totally understand what you're saying because uh that in the zone uh and you can be in the zone whether you're shooting hoops or writing or writing a song or singing you know everyone can experience that it, it really is a magical feeling um do you find it hard when you're not in the zone i mean you it's not up to you to be in the zone or not in the zone for writing you have to show up regardless you have uh, uh articles you need to put out mm -hmm. uh yeah, difficulties with that sometimes. Everyone has life going on. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of times where I am I'm in the middle of writing something, and as I'm going through, I'm starting to realize that my own point that I'm arguing it is, isn't as strong as I thought. And next thing you know, I'm scrapping something or I'm going back and changing something. Um, sometimes you can be your own worst critic, and so that's something that I always struggled with, never feeling like something was good enough to put out there. And so that was something that I had to, to battle through. And then the same thing with, with hosting, you know, there's a lot of times where I'll do, I'll do multiple takes where I'm just stumbling over my words where things don't, things don't come together the way I want it to. And so um, that can be, can be similar. You can run into little speed bumps along the way. And then other times everything is just smooth, smooth sailing. And next thing you know, it's half an hour and you've knocked out an entire article or you've, you've got a whole video shot edited and, and posted or, 
uh, or whatever. So it's they're very similar in that sense. But yeah, it, it can be frustrating too when you don't quite have things going. But it's the kind of thing that you just fight through, just like a lot of things in life. Yeah. So, so yeah. when you're writing, I, I could imagine that, you know, when you write, you've written some articles that you probably have said, Hey, you know, this is not my best work, but then it's been received well. And probably had the opposite at the same time where you said, man, this is a killer article. And then people were like, what is he talking about? Have you ever experienced things like that? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had one I wrote, gosh, it had to be about a year ago. And every once in a while, I like, I like quotes and things. And every once in a while I want to throw in a quote I threw in, I want to say it was like, a Henry Ford quote or something like that at the top of one of my articles and everything in the article was going to relate to that and tie it back into basketball and everything. And, and like some of the first responses I got was, well, that's a dumb quote. I'm like, oh. So sometimes you, sometimes you do stuff and it just, and it just falls flat and, and people don't like it. And that's, and that's kind of the way it goes. Um, but then other times it's, it's well received. Um, a few of the articles that I've written about Kobe Bryant, have gone over very, very well. And those are ones where it just kind of just comes out of you. It just flows and, and everything works. So, you know, uh, there's, there's frustrating moments, but then there's also moments where um, it just, it feels great to get the kind of feedback that you get. I was going to ask you, Trevor. Um, oh, I'm sorry about that, Mike. I was going to ask you, Trevor. Um, so being that you are on, I mean, you have a, a, a pretty good following. I would say a huge following on the Laker Nation on, on Twitter and we know the Twitterverse. We know how it gets. I mean, sometimes it can get toxic, especially if you put out things that are a little unpopular. Uh, how do you go about, because we want to build up our, you know, followers and, and things of that nature. But at the same time, how do we go about it having, like, I would say thick skin, um, not being too, um, I would say, um, affected by you know, the negative comments that you know will come there, you know, and be, I mean, I guess we could say the trolls that are mm -hmm. out there. Um, how do you just navigate through that and then still keep pushing through? I think it's differentiating between what is the constructive criticism and what is just negative negativity being thrown at you just for the sake of negativity. Um, for example, I put out about a week ago, it was announced that, that Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to win Defensive Player of the Year. And I mentioned that on Twitter that I felt like, like Anthony Davis should have won it. And, uh, and of course, I'm biased and everything in that. But um, but so I had a bunch of Bucks fans like throwing all this stuff at me, you know, these different stats and all kinds of things and, and all of that. And a lot of it was just was just negativity. It was just, oh, you're just a Lakers homer and, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's fine. Um, but then there's other times like on uh, on our post game show, I just started getting into creating transitions for our different segments in our shows and and building all of those and um, and, and the graphics and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I tried out a few last night and it was great. I had a few people who said, oh, we really loved it. We like this, this and this about it. Or, you know, we didn't like this. You maybe try cutting down the length a little bit. And that's where you're getting feedback from your audience that is constructive because they care about you and they want to see your product continue to improve. And so it's differentiating between those two things. You just the people that are coming after you just to say stuff, just to be negative. I tend to just tune that out. It doesn't, doesn't get to me. It doesn't bother me too much, but I still read all of it because I do want the constructive criticism. I want the people that are, that are trying to better the product that I'm putting out because that's, that's the name of the game is constantly improving and constantly growing. And so um, it's differentiating between those two things. I think that that really makes the difference. But, you know, I think the, the best thing part, the part about that is they're, they're reading your, your information that you're putting out there, whether it's negative or positive, mm -hmm. or if they have a comment, at, at minimum you're you're reaching people, and that that has to feel good, uh, just in general, right? 
Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, it was, so we are very distance, right? Like, and not just social distancing, but just in terms of the, the content that we put out, everything is people are consuming this online. They're consuming it on their phones. They're watching the videos, reading the content, all that, listening to the podcast. Um, and so a, a lot of it is there's that, that separation. I might get an email from somebody. I might get a, a, a message on Twitter from somebody, but there's not that face-to-face in-person contact. And obviously that's going to be really difficult to do for the foreseeable future now with the pandemic going on and everything. But uh, right before things shut down back in March, we did a, a, a live show that was built around a, a watch party and it was the Lakers versus Bucks. So it was uh, March, I want to say sixth. Um, and so we did this watch party and we had this place packed and it was amazing how many people came up to me and said how much they, they enjoyed reading my work or, or watching the shows and things like that. And that to me like helped really drive home. Like I can see the numbers and see how many people are watching and see how many people are listening and all that. And that always, always blows me away, but it never really clicked for me until I saw all of those people in person. And that's when I, I was just amazed at, you know, the power that, that has um, the reach that you can have getting out there. And that many people are, are seeing what you do and enjoying what you do. That's um, it's an amazing feeling. And I'm, I'm certainly humbled and feel just so, so lucky to, to have that kind of reach. It's like, it actually, uh, like tangible in a, in a mm-hmm. sense that, you know, you were able to get the feedback, but it's true feedback. I mean, numbers and subscribers are one thing. That's a one metric, but then you, you see someone and it's like you said before, when they're coming up to you and they're talking to you and saying that, you know, we appreciate what you're doing. And you're like, now you feel like, wow, there are people out there that is receiving the information that I'm putting out there. And I know that has to be feeling that we, we've had a, something kind of close to that. Nothing is on your scale, but we went to a signing and there was people that were out there. We didn't know <laughs> that were actually listening to our show as much as they were. And they came and they said they liked our, our show. And we were, cause you know, you put it out there in the you know cyberspace and you hope it gets received. But then when you know, there's someone on the other end of it. It actually makes you feel good. So, I, I mean, in that regard, on a smaller scale, <laughs> we, we, we do understand the same, same, uh, same difference. Yeah, that, that yeah, was a fun time, Trevor, because, uh, I mean, people was like, can we take a picture with you? Can we, can you have you guys sign this? We're like, okay, uh, I don't think I'm famous, but sure, I'll, I'll sign this for you. <laughs> you know exactly, exactly. I've been taking pictures with everybody and stuff, and, and I'm like, I'm just, a, I'm just a guy. I'm not, you know, when people want to take pictures of me, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, this is, uh, you know, it, but it, it was just fun being able to get that kind of kind of feedback and that kind of interaction. So I really hope that's something that we can do again soon hopefully if uh, everything calms down yeah you snuck that in right before i actually had a ticket to that event and was supposed to oh. attend but wasn't feeling good so i couldn't make it uh but no i think it was priced right i think it was like ten dollars for access yeah. i think that's all it was it was perfect it was great i saw that out there and i was like oh i gotta go check this out absolutely because i'm a fan of those types of things and we're huge we almost and almost every ending of our show ends with money mike begging people to wash their hands and wear their masks so that we can get mm-hmm. off quarantine and get back to a watch uh, a live watch party because they're just so fun we want to host a live watch party or take part in those um really quick trevor You've done a lot. You're accomplishing a lot. Where's Trevor in five years? I mean, hopefully I'm, I'm still still doing this because here's the here's the thing. Um, a lot of people say, OK, you know, I want to cover the NBA as a whole. Right. I want to go up. I want to be a national journalist and do that sort of stuff. I grew up on the Lakers. You know, my earliest memory is of watching the Lakers. 
And so to get to cover this team is very much a, a privilege and something that I, that I enjoy. So um, hopefully my, my goal is not so much that, you know, Hey, I want to use this as a stepping stone to go do something else for some other, other company and go somewhere else. I, I would like to blow this up with, with Lakers nation and continue to build this out. And I've got plans for the future for, um, you know, what that's going to look like in terms of our live shows, in terms of our, our quality of product. That's something that I'm working on a lot right now. Um, and because like I said, this is for me, this is the perfect outlet. I'm doing video and audio as well as writing long form pieces. And so it doesn't get much better than me than that for me, as far as, you know, working on the Lakers and getting to talk about this team. And so from here, it's just a matter of continuing to, to grow it. And so that's what my focus is, is, is on growing Lakers nation and continue, continuing to build it up and, and continue to make, uh, continuing to network and make relationships within the industry and, and do those things. So that's really my goal for the next five years is just to make Lakers nation an even bigger part of the basketball community and continue to, to build it out. Now, what, what, what some people may not know about you is that you really did bet on yourself. You sat down and you started writing for free and you started writing about the Lakers and topics. And, and like we said, you've talked on a lot of other shows and, and I guess you, you tried to write about other things, but it just never got completed because your mind and, and your, your interests were always with the Lakers and NBA and sports being there. Um, if you were going to write a book about yourself, what would the name of that book be? And then more importantly, what chapter of that book are you in right now? Um, my, my title, if that was, if that was going to be my, my book, um, I guess I would just go alliteration and I would go, uh, from the classroom to the court because for the last 13 years, I've also been a classroom teacher and that's what I've done. And you mentioned betting on, on yourself and that's exactly what I did about three weeks ago. Now I walked away from my career as a, as a teacher and I'm now committed full-time to covering Lakers basketball. I'd, I never put that out there. I hadn't been. I hadn't been putting it out there that I was working two jobs at once or that I was also teaching. I didn't want the, over, the things to overlap too much. Um, it kept me very busy working essentially two full-time jobs at the same time. Um, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. But we finally hit a point where it was time to just fully go. And so that's why I, uh, I, I made that move. And I'm really excited about it. And excited sure. to take a lot of the things that actually translate. There's a lot of things from teaching that translate over to basketball analysis, as crazy as it sounds. So um, it's something that I'm really excited about and glad that I can do it. So, yeah, I guess I think that works from the classroom to the court. All right. Deal. Well, well, I want to wish you congratulations on that because, you know, you know, they always say when you're doing some things that you love, it's not work. So, mm -hmm. you know, so, so the fact that you're able to cover the Lakers and, and get insights and, and talk about them every day. You're not working now. You're just, you are doing what you love. And that's amazing. And that's, I think that's the place that everybody wants to be in their life. Absolutely. hundred percent. That's, that's the goal, right? To be able to do something that you would do anyway. Like if you had, if you had $10 million, what is it that you would, that you would do? And then whatever that is, is, is usually what you, you want to try to focus on as a career, because there's uh, and this is something I've learned in my life and something everybody says, there's a huge difference between working a job that you dislike and working a job that you like. You can be tired doing both things. You can be exhausted after a long day, but working a job that you like in terms of just your overall mindset, your state of mind is so different compared to being exhausted from doing a job 
that you don't like, where you don't feel fulfilled. And I'm not saying that was the case with teaching for me. I'm speaking for prior work experience because I still love, love teaching and communicating that way. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's a great feeling when you get to do what you love. Especially after you worked so hard. It's, it's, it's great. And it's well-deserved, well-deserved for sure. Um, okay. So now you are a Laker fan at heart. That came first. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So yet, yet you're all your, your show, you're very cool, very calm. And I know that's part of, of your hosting. Are you screaming at the TV like we are before you go on and click the record? I just have to know because you know, some of this bubble play, we'll get to that in a second, but I mean, come on. Some of this, that you, uh, are you screaming, getting it out? Before you get on tape, hundred percent, hundred percent. I yell at my TV during the whole game, and then okay, I'm right, saying, so you know, you know, what are you doing with that rotation, and, and why did you take that shot, and all kinds of things, right? Uh, great play, Anthony Davis, or you know, the other night I I yelled, I yelled, nice play, Danny Green, and my wife turned turned and she goes, I haven't I haven't heard that very often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he has, he hasn't been great lately. Uh, but, uh, I got yeah. We're gonna talk about him a little later. Uh, <laughs> for sure. But but yes, I, I definitely. Um, I, I think maybe that's more of my my nature is just to be a little bit more more calm. That's just kind of me. Um, so when we get into the live shows and I've got people that are are commenting because we get all the comments coming in from Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, right, all coming at the same time. And I've got, you know, if the Lakers lose, everybody is screaming. The sky is falling and everything. And so that kind of makes me, I've got to come in and be the voice of reason. Um, and like I said, that's already kind of my nature anyway. So it just works out that way. But yes, during the game, I am, I'm pumped up. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm yelling at the TV just like everybody else. In the past, did you get a chance to go to a lot of games? I did. Yeah, I've gone to a number of games. In fact, the very first game that I ever went to, the first basketball game I went to, uh, was Lakers versus Philadelphia 76ers. And I got to see Charles Barkley get ejected for throwing an elbow. And apparently uh, I was cheering like crazy. The little kid version of me was, was going nuts. So uh, yeah, I've gone to a number of games. Obviously I go to go to more now and get a little bit different perspective, but, uh, but I have gone to a few games and, uh, and certainly always enjoyed them. It's when you see these guys up close, like they always, they always, always look huge as it is, right? These guys are just massive athletes. But then you go and you meet some of them up close and it's like, oh my gosh, like I look at them and I just go, I, like I'm, I'm a human being, you're a human being, but we're not the same. <laughs> we're not the same. This is very different. Yeah, we require very different uh, amounts of food, water, yes. and everything. <laughs> you know, yeah, I felt that as well. We get to go to a lot of games and being season ticket members, they'll invite us to, to practices and things like that. And the one player, not a Laker, but the one player that I was in awe of was Yao. His, his legs were like oak trees. Each leg was like an oak tree trunk. It was just, he's just a massive man. And even him standing next to Shaq, he looked massive. So Yao was, was definitely one there. Um, that brings up a great thing, though. Um, I was going to ask you, what's one of your, you don't necessarily have to be there, but if you had to say, what's one of your all-time favorite Laker moments? Oh, man. Um, there's so many of them. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of them, right? Over the years that that I remember and that I'll certainly cherish. I mean, the the championship in Game Seven in 2010, right? That that one jumps into mind. Obviously, that was a great one. The night the night Kobe went for 81. Obviously, that was that was an incredible moment. Um, as a as a teenager, Magic Johnson coming out of retirement for in 1996, that was that was amazing to me. That was beyond belief. The Magic was back, and I plastered the walls of my rooms with all or my room with all the newspaper clippings from Magic returning and the superstar coming back. And we thought, you know, we thought Magic was going to die, 
right? Like, and then yeah. and then there he is back out there playing on the floor. Um, so those moments all all stand out. But the one that that's the the biggest for me, and it's certainly a bittersweet one, is Kobe's sixty point finale. And the reason for that is because I felt like it summed up everything that that was that was him, right? As far as leaving everything out there on the floor, putting him his whole self into the sport and his obsession with becoming the best basketball player he possibly could be. I don't know that we've ever seen an athlete completely exhaust themselves of their talent the way Kobe did. He did everything he could to get the very most out of his basketball ability. And it felt like that night, that 60 points, I mean, it gave me chills as the game was going on. It still does when I talk about it. Um, It felt like that moment was him burning the last bit of basketball he had in him and giving it to the fans there at Staples Center in Los Angeles. And that was, that was absolutely incredible and, uh, and something I'll never forget. I would agree that that's one of my favorite moments. Um, I had a chance to uh, be in the building for game seven and for Kobe's last game. And, uh, you know, most people I think would say, well, game seven against Boston, but I mean, the whole night, it was nerve wracking. You could, you could cut the, cut the tension with a knife in that building. It wasn't, it, it was, it wasn't necessarily a fun game. Kobe's right. last game, an amazing celebration the whole way through. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there was a big difference between those games. What, what the Lakers accomplished, huge. But, but I, I kind of agree that for my moment as well, at least that I was able to be a part of, would be, would be that moment. Um, let's get into some Laker talk now. We, 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 we discussed a little bit about Twitter. We, we brought up some Lakers. Let's get into some fun stuff. Uh, let's just start with, with, with just an overview of your your – your opinion on the Lakers' performance so far within the bubble up till now? Um, uh, to update, uh, you know, as we're recording this, the Lakers just uh, completed their first series and beat Portland, uh, moved on four-one, and is now waiting on the winner of OKC Houston, which will most likely be Houston. We'll get to that in a second. But mm-hmm. what? How do you? Uh, how would you describe the Lakers' performance so far in the bubble? I mean, it's been a roller coaster, right? There have been certainly some scary moments, some some drops where their play has not looked good at all. I mean, then that game one against Portland where they shot 15.6% from behind the arc and people were worried, oh my gosh, is this just, have they really gone from being the number one team in terms of field goal percentage in the NBA to suddenly being a team that absolutely cannot shoot, nobody can hit anything, they're going to get bounced in the first round. Um, that was the type of reaction that we're, we were seeing after game one. But I can tell you this, I felt relieved seeing them hit their, I don't want to say their peak performance, but when they really ramped things up, when they got to game two and game four specifically uh, against Portland, because I, all the seeding games up to that point, there wasn't a lot of energy. The Lakers knew they were the number one seed. They were playing like they knew they were the number one seed and nothing was going to change that. The games didn't matter. And so we hadn't seen them play at the level they played when they took out Milwaukee and then the Clippers right before everything shut down. And so people didn't know. I didn't know. Was that level of play still in there? Did they still have it? And then we saw it in game two. We saw it in game four. And then we saw it in bursts in game five, where it was like when they really had to try, there it was. When it was time to close out the game, they got back to that level of play. And so it's been frustrating in the sense that you've seen the team playing well below their expectations, but also a little bit encouraging because you know when they really need to reach back and dig deep, that level of play is still there. And so that's that's encouraging moving forward. You know, for me as, as a fan, it's, it's really frustrating. Like last game, you know, you knew that they weren't at full strength. Little wasn't there. Uh, they only had nine players that stood up. Um, 
you know, I was just like, we we. I, the only reason why I felt like the only reason why they won that game was just because their talent was better, not because they they actually put together a really great game and executed. You know, it was just a matter of the that talent just outweighed. Mm-hmm. You know what Portland had for us going to the next series, which kind of concerns me because you know we definitely need to be more focused um, as we move forward. You know, to, to the second and third round in order to be, uh, be able to get the championship. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I get where that's that's certainly frustrating. Knowing that they can play so much better and that they didn't, it wasn't because their game plan was was just better than Portland's or because their execution was better. That ultimately it was LeBron and Anthony Davis both having ridiculous efficiency. Um, what was it? Third, forty three points, and LeBron had like thirty six, I think it was. Right. So and those and they just and they both were like what fourteen for nineteen and fourteen for eighteen. I mean, just just incredible performances from those two guys in order to push them through. Um, so on the one hand, yeah, that's that can be frustrating in and of itself. But I look at the game in, in segments. I felt like it was a game where it was very clear when they were trying and when they were coasting. And exactly. you can certainly say that's a bad habit to have. And it, it can be like, I, I would be feeling better if they just blew out the Blazers by, and it was over by halftime, right? That would make you feel a little bit better, but it still was good to see them hit that level when they needed to. It felt like uh, in a way, it's a, it's a trap game because it's a mental hurdle to try to deal with the team that is now on the ropes. They're down 3-1, and now they're missing their star. It's hard to be quite as sharp as you should be. And we can say, oh, well, they, they should be sharp at all times and, and all of that, but that's just that's just not reality. So um, I, I get why that would be frustrating, that game certainly. And there were moments that definitely frustrated me, but there was also never a point in that game where I thought, oh, the Lakers are going to lose this. I never felt that threatened. And maybe that's overconfidence, but it, I just it felt like the Lakers, when they needed to, were going to turn it on, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, it seems like it, that goes to uh, the talent uh, comment. Now, now, one of the things that we we all here are um, we we're overwhelmed with Lakers because that's we watch Laker games, but it just really seems to be even if we go back to the Phil Jackson days, the championship Laker teams always switch. We know when to turn it on, we'll turn it on when we want it, and they would show up when they didn't. And, I, 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 the reason why I bring up that we watch a lot of it, because I don't know if other teams necessarily, I don't ever notice the other teams doing that as much. I don't remember. I guess, you know what, towards the end, maybe Golden State started doing that. Towards the mm-hmm. end of their, their tail end, they started, you know, playing with the switch a little bit. Um, is that a, do you feel like it's a coaching? Is that just a player? Is that just, or just inherent, just happens in players? I think it just happens when you've got a really good team. It's hard for them to perform at a very top level at all times, just like it is for, for any team. Um, but if you are, if you were the Lakers of a couple of years ago where you've got Lonzo ball and Kyle Kuzma and, and Brandon Ingram and all these guys, you're going into a game. Let's say you've got a Wednesday night game against, uh, I don't know. Let's say it's against the thunder, right? And you're going into this game. You're going in thinking, we've got to be at our best. We can win this game, but we've got to be at our very best. If you're the Lakers now, you're going into that game and saying, eh, you know, we, if we're middle of the road, we're probably going to be okay tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, there's a, just a different approach when you're a very strong team and, and you're not. And I think other teams do go through that as well. I mean, we saw, look, the, the Milwaukee Bucks dropped game one against the Orlando magic. It happens. Um, but it's not, and it's frustrating from the fan perspective. But when we look back, like I can remember being upset with Kobe and Shaq and everything for playing down. I think they lost some games to the Charlotte Bobcats back in the day. Um, yep. And losing, you know, dropping games like that and being like, what are you doing? 
And at the time, worrying about it, but looking back now, we're like, oh, well, they just flipped the switch. They, they knew how to win when it was time to win. I think the same can be said about this Lakers team, you know, if we're looking back six months from now at this squad, we're going to say, oh, well, they knew when to, when to flip the switch. Hopefully. Well, and hopefully because they've got a championship. <laughs> yeah, that depends on how it ends. If it ends well, then yeah, all's right. And you right. Yeah, I was kind of noticing uh, that um, as one um, during the bubble games, it looked like they were, you know, uninterested. They were not mm-hmm. really. They they were playing to get the number one seed. Once they solidified that, then you kind of see them take the foot off the gas. Um, and then they kind of was complacent up until game one. Um, after game one, after they almost like they heard the noise around them and people were t- chattering and, you know, it was the, the, the you know, Charles Barkley saying they're going to get swept and, mm-hmm. you know, all the people saying, which is, you know, basically ludicrous. But the fact that they heard that the game two performance was what I expect the Lakers to play like all the time because they were coming out there upset and were not t- – they, they played a different, you know, style of defense. They were trapping. It was, just seemed like they had a game plan. They executed it well, and they really put the game to bed. And then after the after the thing, game three, like you said before, game four is when the might of the Laker power came on that team that was an eight seed, and we showed everyone exactly why the Lakers were the one, number one seed. And that's what I'm not really – I'm not concerned. I know a lot of people are going to be concerned with the, the shooting of, say, the Houston Rockets because you can't – you have to respect Harden and you have to respect Westbrook. However, it just seems once they're – it's man on man, once they're in the game, then it seems like it's a totally different situation versus we could look at what their strengths are and what versus our weaknesses. But once they're in the game – um, I really do believe our talent and our execution was, uh, will, will actually uh, shine through. That's just my opinion on just forecasting of the, the, the next series if it does become Houston. Yeah, that's that's going to be the big question, right, for, for the Houston Rockets. Like, you know LeBron James is going to be there. You know Anthony Davis is going to be there. Those guys are going to show up, right? Those guys, they're going to do the things that they do. Um, Houston does have some defenders they can stick on them. Robert Covington has given Anthony Davis a little bit of trouble in the past. P.J. Tucker, of course, is is solid defensively. They're going to stick him on LeBron. Um, but you look at this this Houston offense and the way they run things, it's um, you know no surprise. It's a Mike D'Antoni-led team. They're very smart with the way they space the floor, the way they move the ball. Um, they do it in an intelligent way that uh, gets defenses scrambling. And once they get you scrambling, they don't let you out of it. They make sure that if you shut down one, one shot opportunity, they very quickly find another one, make you scramble, find another one, make you scramble until they get a wide open look. So um, it, it, I think if they do get the Rockets, it's going to be a challenging series. But ultimately, the question is, can the Lakers solve the Rockets? Can they solve the small ball issue? So far, they haven't. Since the Rockets started playing small, the Lakers are 0-2 against them. Um, but that being said, the top-end talent on the Lakers and the size that they have makes you think they should have an advantage going in. The question is, what can the Rockets do from three? Can the Lakers defensively do enough to bother their shooters? All of those things are certainly going to matter. But just if we compare talent to talent, and usually that does win out, I think the Lakers should come through that series. But uh, but again, the way the Rockets are playing might cre- present uh, a real challenge. Some difficulties. Uh, you brought up, uh, of course, knowing what AD and LeBron are going to bring. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm always a fan of the role players. I've got my Ori jersey. I've got my Fisher jersey that I have still in the closet. Um, I kind of see KCP, Kuz, and Green as, in a sense, the one player 
whichever one is in that have to show up for us to win the title. They have to show up to win the title in a sense as one, but it's always the role players. Cause like you said, we know what we're going to get from Anthony Davis. We know what we're going to get from LeBron, but KCP Coos and green are what's going to make the difference against a Houston. Cause they're what's going to spread it out and open it up for Anthony Davis and LeBron. Um, we touched base earlier on green. Let's, let's keep going. Green. His defense is always there. No question. And, and his yeah. shooting is getting there. Uh, he keeps his role, keeps it started. I mean, let's just talk about Green. You just, just go ahead and, and rip on Green. What, what are you feeling about Danny Green and, and his troubles offensively in the bubble? So I, I'm not going to rip on Danny. I get I get comment after comment on, on Danny Green and how terrible he is and how he's $15 million per season wasted and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which, by the way, you mentioned Lakers role players. I've got in my closet an Andrew Bynum jersey. So that's that's how big of a Lakers fan I was. I've got an Andrew Bynum jersey sitting there. But but anyway, uh, Danny Green. So when the season began and when the Lakers signed Danny Green, if you remember Kawhi Leonard said, okay, I'm going to join the Clippers. Uh, tough moment. And then within, what, half an hour, an hour, Danny Green puts out that, that video saying, I'm coming to the Lakers. Okay, The Lakers had that set up. So they bring in Danny Green, and as soon as they signed him, I went, you know what? This guy's going to be a challenge for me. It's going to be a challenge to communicate to the fans why he's effective and why he's important to have out on the floor. You look at his at his overall like offensive rating, defensive rating, he's still sitting near the top of the team despite him not shooting the ball that well. Um, this is a guy who, when you look at the box score, most nights you go, oh, he's terrible. Because he scored ten points and he's got three rebounds or whatever, and that's and that's it. Maybe he's got a steal or a block or, or something. Nothing he does jumps off the the page on the box score. But inside the team construct, his defense is is pretty valuable. Um, and then last year with the Toronto Raptors, his ability to to knock in threes at an efficient rate, he shot forty six percent from deep last season. His ability to do that makes his value go sky high in terms of his overall impact on the team. That's really where he gets his impact from, two areas. It's his three-point shooting and his defense. And so when he's not shooting well, people are going to get frustrated because that's what he's there to do, is to, is to hit those threes. Um, he certainly hasn't been great. I won't say that he's lived up to expectations or anything like that, and he's admitted that, that he hasn't shot the ball very well. Uh, I know he only shot one for six in the last game, so I don't know where he's at at this point. But when I looked after game four, he was actually at 44% from three against the Blazers. Now, again, obviously that's a bit lower now that he went one for six in game five. But still, I think he was shooting a little bit better than people were really giving, giving him credit for. He is a bit streaky. There's some hot stretches and some cold stretches. The hope is that as a veteran, he's going to pick things up and that he's going to be able to start knocking in some shots. Fortunately, Contavious Caldwell-Pope has caught fire with his shooting, so that's taken a little bit of pressure off of Danny Green. Um, I still think they do need better shooting out of him moving forward, but defensively he does some really good things for them on the floor. So he's still, he's still a valuable piece, even if it is frustrating seeing him miss threes. And again, ultimately he's going to have to start making them, but I don't think he's quite as bad as a lot of people think he is. Yeah. Trevor, I want to ask you a question because I'm, this is to me being a lifelong Laker fan of watched a lot of just like you watch a lot of Laker games and mm -hmm. and seeing that we have acquired talent, especially during the the Eddie Jones, uh, you know, the Nick Van Exel, Shaq yep. and Kobe years where we were just looking for that shooter. We needed that shooter. And so we went out and we got George McLeod and we got all these different players that come in to fill this one role and, and you know, got Glenn Rice and. 
you know, and you see them elsewhere and they're all-stars for a reason. They're the champions or all-stars or something mm-hmm. like that. And I always had this phrase, is this, I mean, is something about that purple and gold. Well, basically to me, that means is once they come to the Lakers, sometimes you either rise to the occasion of the, of the Laker lore or you shrink under the pressures of it. Um, and I don't know, I mean, it's too early to tell, However, when I see Danny Green, I know the, the Spurs, he won championship with the Spurs, but when you're, your fan base is just really the people of San Antonio, then it's like you're really the big fish in that pond. However, when you're the Lakers, you're a part of Lakers, you have celebrities actually chiming in and criticizing your game. Um, and it just seems like it's just the whole way of the world is on your every move. And I know he's streaky, and I've seen that before. Like you said, he was one for six last night. Um, however, do you think when people come to the Lakers that sometimes just the pressure of just being a Los Angeles Lakers is just too much for them to overtake? Oh, 100%. And it's not even just the Lakers. It's being in Los Angeles, and you've got all these distractions. You've got all of the other things that you can do. Obviously, they're in the bubble right now, so they don't have to worry about that. But uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot that comes with being a Laker. And I love that George McLeod reference. I remember back in the day when George McLeod was going to be the savior that was going to yeah. make everything click with the Lakers. Um, that was, I looked and when you add, when you look at Danny green and you, you think about is the pressure getting to him? Obviously he's got his podcast that he does. He's got um, these other things that he works on. I, I don't know that that's it. I mean, this is a guy who's been around for a long time. This is a guy who had to battle his way into the league, who had to fight for a spot. I don't know that the moment gets to him. As much as I think the the last season with the Raptors just set the bar a little bit too high, set our expectations a little too high. I don't think 46% from three is is really sustainable. Really, what we've seen is Danny Green has reverted back offensively to the player he was in his final year in San Antonio, which, I mean, was part of the reason why the Spurs were like, okay, and just threw him in to the Kawhi Leonard deal. He just kind of added in his salary ballast. Um, again, that's not to say he isn't valuable, but when people get upset with him, it's I, I hear mostly his salary. He's not good enough to be worth $15 million. And certainly that's an argument that you, that you can make, but um, I don't think it's the pressure that gets to him because he's been around. He knows what it takes to be successful in, in this league. I, I think maybe just the, the bar was set a little bit too high based on one extremely hot season that he had with the Raptors. Okay. Excellent. Um I'd like to talk to you a little bit if I could. I'm going to go off subject here. Still uh, basketball and still bubble. I'd like to talk about our stepbrother, the Clippers, uh, a little bit. Uh, first of all, uh, obviously, as a, a Laker fan and uh, reporter, you have to keep up on them. But how, how much do you keep on, up on the Clippers? And do you have the same just hate for them that we do? <laughs> you probably can't say that, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely we're, we're, we'll call it we'll call it disdain. How about that? <laughs> disdain. I like it. I like it. Um, so so yeah, like I said, there's so there's a lot of people that when they get into this business and they're covering a team, they give up their fan card, right? And there's times when you can still kind of see it. Um, Zach Lowe, right for ESPN, phenomenal. One of my favorite people to read. Um, he, he was a Celtics guy. And he gave that up to cover the entire league and, and do all of that and try to do it unbiased as, as much as he possibly can. Um, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm, I, I grew up around the Lakers. I've got too much passion for them where I'm going to, I'm never going to be totally unbiased in this. And so, yeah, I'm obviously going to have, I'm going to feel 
some kind of way towards the Clippers. And when the Clippers are coming out saying, you know, streetlights over spotlights and and uh, grit and grind over glitz and glamour and all this kind of stuff and presenting themselves as the team for the working class of Los Angeles and uh, all of it. Right. When you add it all up, it's it's going to it's going to get under my skin a little bit because I grew up as a as a Lakers fan. So certainly there is that frustration there. There's still. You can respect what the Clippers are doing, what they've done as a franchise, the the turnaround that they've made, and and the the players that they've added, and um, you know having Doc Rivers in there, and and Steve Ballmer, and and everything that they've done. But the bottom line is they are still trying to carve out a spot of the Lakers market in Los Angeles. And I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. You know, my dad grew up around the Lakers. I grew up around the Lakers. This is not. This is a generational thing. You're coming into Lakers territory that's going to generate some, some feelings there. So I'm, I'm not somebody who's rooting for the Clippers success. And, and I keep saying, you know, Hey, if, if the Lakers can't win it and if it's, you know, bucks Clippers in the finals, then go bucks. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for, for the bucks uh, that I don't have that separation where I can necessarily say that, that, you know, I would be okay with the Clippers winning a championship or anything like that. Great, great answer. Great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, like you said, when you are a lifelong Laker fan and, you know, and Lakers has has a tradition that Mm -hmm. that is longstanding in the sense where, you know, we just require more and we have a certain standard that we live by. And the Clippers are just always trying to get up to what our standard is. So you can't just hand anything over to them and be like, okay, well, since we can do it, we'll let you have part of our standard because it's just two totally separate things in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the Clippers are, are trying to stake their claim in Los Angeles that, you know, covering the Lakers championship banners, all these little, there's definitely a big brother, little brother kind of dynamic that's going on there too. Um, It's, and so it's tough, but, uh, but you know what I've seen Lakers fans obviously have, have developed quite a bit of, disdain as we say for for the clippers and uh and understandably so and i think overall for for the nba it's a great thing if we look big picture at the league like the league has got to be salivating over the idea of a western conference finals of lakers versus clippers and the ratings that's going to draw right like this is this is a a good thing for the nba as a whole but from the lakers perspective yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be a little bit annoying and like i said i I made the decision when i got into this that i wasn't going to just I wouldn't be genuine if I gave up my Lakers fandom in an attempt to try to report the NBA in an unbiased way. That wasn't going to be the path that I was going to travel. So, so no, make no mistake about it. I'm, I, I'm definitely rooting against the Clippers. <laughs> Actually, uh, when you brought up Boston, uh, I would almost feel this year that if Boston made it to the finals and the Lakers made it to the finals, that the bigger series would have been Lakers versus Clippers. Amazingly, as opposed to Lakers versus Boston. In this playoff, I would say so. Um, but yeah. in that hypothetical sense of that championship, that NBA Finals, Clippers, Boston, I'm going for the Clippers, guys. I'm sorry, I can't see another eighteen. I can't see right. number eighteen. I can't do it. I got. I can deal with one, but I can't deal with one championship alone, like the Mets won. You know, when Daryl Strawberry and you know the mm-hmm. Doc Good back in those days. But I can't see a number 18 being that close to, t- to tie them to get them number one, well, excuse me, number 19. I mean, excuse me, number eight, uh, yeah, 19. And we're right there. I mean, we're right there. Are you the 17 to 16 right, right. now? 
Yeah, it's 17-16 right now. We're getting number 18, and they're still two ahead of us. That's why when we lost in 2008, it was so hard because not only are they going up in one, but we're losing the opportunity to actually catch them. So it was almost like losing by two instead of losing just one. It was like it was the compounded the fact that we lost. It's just now that they're gaining a championship on our back again. So, I mean, I'm okay with looking at the Clippers because I just – I can't stomach anything Boston winning anything. I mean, it goes, you see I got my Raider hat on, so you know I hate the Patriots. Like, it's just – just I cannot handle anything Boston. So, if it's ever a hypothetical, you know, knock on wood, it's never going to be that. But if it is going to be that, I mean, I'm just going to have to sport, like, green because I can't see the ball – I can't see the – the Clippers winning that game. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, you know, this has been this is something that I've posed to Lakers fans a number of times throughout the year. I uh, would put out polls on Twitter and things, just discussions on my on my shows and all of that. Uh, you know, who would you if the Lakers or if the Clippers were playing the Celtics, who are you rooting for? I mean, which first of all is just absolutely nauseating and gross to think about. The idea yeah. <laughs> you would have the Celtics and and the Clippers, it's oh, awful, 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 awful. But um, but if those two teams were to meet up, it feels like the fans who were around for the Showtime era are the fans who say you go against Boston every single time because that's the true rival. But this year, there's been so much anti-Clipper hate out there, anti-Clipper takes that we've seen. Um, every poll that I've put out, people have said, Lakers fans have said they would rather see the Clippers lose than see the Celtics lose. Um, and that's just, I think, the, the younger generation that didn't grow up with this massive Celtics Lakers rivalry that was that was brewing you know in what 2010 we got one final series in 2008 we got another one but um, but it, the rivalry wasn't nearly to that height like it was in the 80s and so it's uh, it's a little bit different the way people approach it I don't know where the, the general Lakers fan base would go in an NBA finals but I'm with you I can't root for the Celtics to win another one and then the Lakers are that much further behind uh, I don't want to see Boston celebrating a title. I don't want to see the Clippers celebrating a title either. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can't get on board with Boston. I think I'm, that I'm going to go with Boston, and the reason why is because I know right now that there's only a couple things I like better than a Laker win, and that's a Clippers loss. So seeing them lose, especially if it was, uh, do I want to see them lose in Boston to run it worse? And they have to take that flight back. That would probably be better than for them to lose it on their home court. <laughs> But yeah, I'm definitely going Boston there. Uh, and that's the only time you'll ever hear me say that. I think one thing about the rivalry right now with the Lakers and, um, and the Clippers is uh, the fact that the Clippers, um, they're boisterous right now. They're, 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 you know, they're feeling confident. And now this is like, this is the time to strike. This is the time to come out there and be the most you know obnoxious that they can to get under our skin because they feel that they have the team that can beat our team. It's, I mean, we went through to the four, we went through with the part of the Trailblazers, went through with the Sacramento Kings. Um, I think what's different is, is that we live in the same city. It has this USC, UCLA football field, this rivalry that is since it's inner city, if you lose, it's not that you can just say, oh, they're in Boston and I don't have to hit it as long as I don't turn on my radio. I don't actually have to hear it. It's the guy that walks in with a random Elton Brand jersey on or, you know, it's the somebody that's going to be and you see it and they get that, that, that jolt, that reminder that you lost to him. And I think that's what a lot of the younger generation now that they're dealing with, that they don't want to see that, 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 you know, that manifestation of the loss you know, yeah. right there in their face. Whereas I'm okay with it. As long as the Boston 
don't win, I'm okay. They can walk around like, I mean, after a while, it's just like I said, I mean, how many, I mean, the Yankees won 27 championships. I think the Mets won like one. You can wear as much Mets stuff as you wear. They're still going to look at my little brother, even though they had that 86. So it's like, I just feel that I can deal with it or I can stomach it a little bit more. And I, and I just, I'm rambling right now, but I really feel strongly when it comes to, the Clippers and especially the Boston Celtics, but that's just my that's my rap. Yeah, no, I think that, I, I mean I, I, agree, the thing I agree with Pat. And, and I'm sorry, Trevor, cut you off. No, I agree with Pat. I mean, we the the we have to catch Boston. That's always the goal. We have to be above Boston. You know, they are our true rivals. Um, if you look at um, all the documentaries about like in the sixties where they just you just bust a bubble and still just burns you up. So yeah, there we we need. The, the the young kids to get into a little bit of the Laker Boston history to understand how important it is to be above Boston. See, the thing uh, is, the thing is, you know, I'll touch on this really quick and we'll we'll move on because I know Trevor's got to get out of here. But um, there's no one to hate on Boston. There's always been very players that you can point at. Oh, sorry, disdain, guys. I apologize. There's no, <laughs> there's no really. There's there's just no loud, boisterous players on Boston that are screaming above and beyond. But those players currently exist on a former Boston team, which is Doc Rivers and in the Clippers. So you see that personality trait on that team, and that personality trait was there with the other Celtics when he was there with KG and uh, those players. So. Um, those are the things that I think tick a lot of Laker fans off. And, and that's kind of a dynamic of a Doc Rivers team. Um, let's touch base, Trevor. You just did a recent post, and I'd love to touch base because you, you get a lot of good inside information. Um, and you're already kind of touching base on next season and talking about some trades. Uh, what were you hearing? Let's, let's hear it from you. You're talking about uh, something. Please, let's hear it from you. Uh, so it, it mostly comes from from Eric Pincus, a Bleacher reporter, who does a, a phenomenal job. Uh, he he threw a little tidbit in one of his articles about uh, Victor Oladipo and why the Pacers might be motivated to trade him. And he threw this little piece in at the end, mentioned that the Lakers would be one of the teams that would be interested in trading for him, even if they don't have a commitment beyond one season because he's a free agent in 2021, um, which makes some sense. I mean, the Lakers right now are planning on having cap space in 2021. And so if you trade for Oladipo and it doesn't work out, nothing changes. You're right where you were planning to be and having cap space in 2021 to go chase whatever free agent you want. Whereas if it works, great. You've got a new second fiddle to put in there with Anthony Davis, a guy who's a little bit younger um, as LeBron's getting older. Uh, maybe that pairing works out really well. And then you can use your cap room in that summer to, to hang on to him. So it makes some sense for the Lakers to be more willing to take that risk than some other teams might be. But that said, they've got to be convinced that Victor Oladipo is healthy, that he can get back to an all-star level like he was when he first went over to the Pacers. He's had some injury issues. Um, and then, of course, the question is, what would they have to give up? You're probably looking at something with at least the contract of Danny Green and then a piece like, say, a Kyle Kuzma or something like that in there. You're trying to make the math work. Other teams would get in on it and try to do what they could to, to pry him free because he is a good player when he's healthy. But uh, again, I, I don't think the Lakers are actively exploring this right now, but it's something to keep an eye on, especially this year with how quickly the turnaround is going to be, right? I mean, between game seven of the NBA finals, the NBA draft and the start of free agency, you're talking about a span of like, I think right now it's like five days. So yeah. it's going to happen real fast where the Lakers are going to have to move towards what does our team look like next year? And so I'm expecting to hear little things like this as we move forward about what the Lakers plans might be 
for next season, which it feels weird though. Like we should just be totally focused on the playoffs, but the Lakers, they, they've got to, and every team really has to start looking ahead as well. You think there's some backdoor, well, we know there is, but uh, backdoor negotiations going on in the bubble. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, look, any, anytime players get together, and they're hanging out and they're and kind of, you know, those walls are being broken down. You get situations where guys are like, hey, you know what, this guy, I really enjoy hanging out with him. Wouldn't it be great if we were on the same team? I mean, that's what happened with, you know, in order to form the the Miami Heat, the Heatles or whatever you wanted to call them with Wade and Bosch and, and all of them. You know, they get together with the the Olympic team. Um, this this is just kind of what happens. It's the way it goes. So I'm, it would not surprise me if the next super team is being formed right now in the bubble. Right, right. It may not, it may not uh, come to fruition for another two years or so, mm-hmm. but yep. we're getting there. Um, Trevor, thank you so much, guys. Step, Pat, Money, Mike, do you have any other questions for Trevor? Well, let me ask you about Carmelo. I know Carmelo um, was, was uh, saying uh, at the podium, he loves Portland. He, this, he's found his new home. He would love to be back. How much of that is true, do you, do you think, uh, with him? Uh, you know, or just, you know, these players in general, you know, uh, Paul George, it was Paul George day, but then he decided he wanted to get traded the same day. So, you know, how how much word can we trust when, when Carmelo says, I love Portland and I want to stay there, or does he just want to play next year for somebody? So I, I think that the player, the context definitely matters in situations like that. Paul George didn't ask to go to the Thunder. He got traded there. Now, he did re-sign with them, and he signed that new contract. But then as things weren't working and he had an opportunity that came up, he started looking looking elsewhere. And that's, you know, every player is going to have their own takes on it. But but I look at, at players like Dwight Howard, you look at Carmelo Anthony, right? And you hear the things that they've been saying uh, about their respective teams. Both of those guys, veterans, back against the wall, former superstars who are in danger of being out of the league. Carmelo Anthony was out of the league for a while. Teams right. didn't want him. Teams, nobody, nobody would sign him. And so now you get somebody gives them a shot, right? The Lakers give Dwight Howard a shot. Here's your chance to save your career, right? To earn your spot in the NBA. And same thing with, with Portland and Carmelo Anthony. There's going to be uh, that, that feeling of gratitude there because Carmelo has revitalized his NBA career, right? Now he's, now he's back to being a clear NBA player at this point. Teams are going to want him. And so he is going to, going to probably want to stick with what's working with a team that took a chance on him and gave him the opportunity when other teams wouldn't. And Dwight has expressed the same sentiment. He's loved being in Los Angeles. He's played well. He's accepted a role as a, as a role player on this squad. And so it would be a surprise if he went somewhere else. Now, if another team comes along and offers way more money, then I mean, sometimes that speaks a little bit louder, but given the circumstances, if all things are equal, then yeah, I would think Carmelo Anthony probably stays with the team that took a chance on him. And just like I, I would think that if everything's equal, Dwight probably stays with with the Lakers. He plays well too. He's playing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think I'm thinking we're good. It was actually and, a good interview. Trevor, thank you for for joining us on our show. We'd like you, if possible. Again, we're going to hit you up for your writing skills. Uh, take us out. Uh, uh, tell us a story. What's the last 24 seconds of this season? What does that look like? Our last 24 seconds of this season. <laughs> the last 24 seconds of the last game of the season has, uh, has, has LeBron James and Anthony. And I said the last game of the season, not the last Lakers game. The last game of the season has LeBron James and Anthony Davis 
celebrating at half court with Frank Vogel and all the rest of the Lakers. And no, there's no, you know, there's probably not purple and gold confetti raining down or anything like if the game was in Los Angeles, but uh, I think we're going to finish up with the Lakers championship. I'm staying optimistic and uh, hoping that they're going to be hoisting that trophy when, uh, when all is said and done. Beautiful. Again, Trevor, thank you so much. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell all our listeners where they can find you and get more information about you, please. Sure. Yeah. I've taken over the Lakers Nation YouTube channel so you can find all my videos there. You can also find me on social media at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram. And of course, follow all my written work at LakersNation.com. Trevor, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We'd love to have you back soon if you'd be willing. We love what you do. We follow you online. Everyone does. Lakers Nation is so important to the Lakers Nation. So thank you so much. Sure. No problem, guys. Anytime. Happy to do it. Thank all you. right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're going to have a Fame Nation uh, uh, shirt sent out to you uh, on, on behalf of our podcast. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. All you right. have a great day. Thank you, Trevor. Thank you very much, Jack. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Whether you need auto, homeowners, renters, business insurance, disability, or life insurance, which of course is